Welcome to Writer Spark, the podcast with tips and tricks about fiction writing. I'm your host, Melissa Bourbon, national best-selling author, developmental fiction editor, writing coach, instructor, and founder of Writer Spark Academy. Wherever you are on your writing path, Writer Spark has tips, tricks, and lessons for fiction writers. Today, I'm really excited to talk with a representative. Talk with Troy today. We are talking about the plotting software plotter. Now, let me start by saying I am a hybrid plotter. I plot the key elements, some of the major turning points. I know the beginning, the middle, and the end. I write mysteries primarily, so I know who dies and who done it. But I am not a heavy-duty plotter. I do not plot in the way that some of my friends plot very, very meticulously every point of the book from beginning to the end. So how does plotting software work for someone like me? Well, that is one of the main things that we talk. That is one of the main things we're going to talk about today. So grab a cup of something tasty, settle in, and get ready to ignite your writer's spark. Welcome, Troy Lambert. We are here to talk about Plotter, and I am so glad to have you as my guest here on Writer Spark. Well, thank you very much. Nice to be here. So, what can you tell me about Plotter? Let's just dive right in. Um, so, Plotter is a visual outlining software uh, designed for writers of all types, really. Um, it's originally designed as kind of like an outline and planning software. Um, but even authors that don't outline tend to use it. We have a series Bible function. We have all, all kinds of other things that people can use as well. Um, but it's essentially like a digital, kind of like a digital corkboard mind mapping software all melded into one. Okay, so let's um, let's back up just a little bit. So you said that it's good for people who don't plot. I sort of fall into that category. I'm a plotter slash pantser, definitely a hybrid, somewhere in the middle. I plot pretty loosely. And then much comes to me during what I call brain writing. Something like plotter, you know, where it looks very organized kind of scares me, to be perfectly honest. So how does someone like me or even more on the pantser side of the spectrum use and, 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 um, really, I think, kind of embrace a program like Plotter? So my argument is always that everybody plots. They just plot at a different time. Um, so people look at Plotter initially and they're thinking, I don't want to plan anything in this. Like I just discovery right through my whole draft. And I, I don't like the very name Plotter. Sometimes just people are like Plotter. I, I'm not a plotter. Um, but the way it works for people who are discovery writers usually is there's a few different ways that they use it. Um, sometimes they use it in the rewriting process, essentially to check your work is to tear apart your draft and go, did I hit all the story beats? I should have, you know, am, am I good? Um, or some people just use it as a story Bible. They just track their characters and settings and they don't ever use the timeline and the outline planning function at all in plotter. They just skip that part. They're like, I'm a discovery writer. I'm not going to use it. But when it comes to keeping track of characters, like where Susie's eyes blew in chapter two of book one, you know, well, when you have an entire series, you don't want to have to go back and read book one to figure out 
what that character looked like. And so um, just tracking things like that is extremely valuable. And people have used other tools for that. I've seen people use Excel spreadsheets and all kinds of things like that, but I don't think any of them quite um, have the simplicity and the intuitive way that you can do it with Plotter and, and enabling you to track an entire series. So that's a couple of the ways that people use it that are more discovery, what I call discovery-ish writers. Yeah, that's, well, like I said, I'm, I'm sort of that, but that might've sold me right there. So I use Scrivener and Scrivener does have uh, functions to, you know, kind of craft your characters, put their traits and stuff like that. But in the end, it's still really just a Word doc where you have to enter the information and then add to it. Now this, I'm, I'm very interested in what you just described because I just had the rights reverted for one of my older series. I've re-released the first three, the next three are coming in January, and I'm going to continue the series. But this series began in 2010, and before I can continue it, I need to reread it. And as I reread it, I want to create that story Bible, that book Bible or series Bible. And, you know, I've been kind of tossing around, how am I going to do that efficiently to where I can easily find the information I need about those colored eyes or color of hair or whatever it is. So how, how, how would that help me? Like how does, is it laid out differently than say Scrivener? So the interesting thing about it is, so what I've used, so I use Scrivener too, but now that I have Plotter, I use it in a completely different way than I did before. Um, and here's, here's why, here's my argument for it. So typically when I'm in the writing environment, I keep Plotter open in one window on a separate screen and Scrivener open in my primary screen. Um, and so if I need to look at character traits, I look at Plotter. And the reason is I don't have to scroll down. It's like you say, Scrivener is like I have to scroll down. I have to click down on that tab, look at that character, and then click back into my writing space. So me, because I'm apparently a squirrel incarnate, I tend to get distracted by anything shiny that I happen to see along the way. So I could see something about that character and go, maybe I want to flesh that character out. You know, now would be a great time to give him a personality test. And by the time I'm done with it, I'm, I'm not writing anymore. Now I'm off on Google playing with my character. Um, so if I, if I keep that in plotter and I just glance over, look at the information I need, glance back at my main screen, I prevent myself from getting distracted. Um, even the simple distraction of scrolling down in Scrivener. Now, but the other way that it helps you is we have um, different character templates to give you ideas, stuff like that. And it's funny that you mention that because I have an old series that um, I last put new covers on them in 2014, I think, 2013, 2014. Um, and it's still out there, hanging out there. Um, and it, But it, the covers are not modern at all. And I also feel like I need to just rework those stories a little bit even if I don't do much to them, just another once over edit before I re-release them. And what Plotter enables me to do is pull them apart because I didn't have Plotter back then. It didn't exist as, as far as I'm aware. So um, I basically, I it allows me to pull those stories apart and look at them with new, hopefully more mature author eyes um, and to then map the characters and stuff in Plotter and be able to go back and reference those things and make sure that they're really what I want before I put them out there again. That Yeah, that's another great point because I have another series I'm in the process of getting the rights back to. And, you know, that one 
was my very first series. And I've grown so much as a writer since then that that is a series I want to go back to and, you know, kind of beef up the writing. And yeah. I would have to kind of take them apart a little bit to do that. Yeah, the primary terrifying part so. about that for me is that I actually have to read those old books again, which I'm in some ways I'm like, who was that guy and why? But anyway, I, you know, it's one of those things that we do as writers that revisiting that old work isn't always the most pleasant experience. But at the same time, if we're going to make the, the greatest use of our backlist, um, uh, for instance, I mean, obviously, if you're doing this for a living, like I do, the primary, you know, goal not the primary goal, but one of the primary goals is to make money. I mean, clearly I like to eat and my wife likes nice things. Um, so we, you know, we have to do, you know, we have to do those things. We have to make money. And so the, um, to make use of those series, those older series, well, we have to bring them into modern times. The things that we wrote back then just don't always work now well in our genre and all those type of things. So um, Plotter really gives you some tools. And this, this is the, the main takeaway about Plotter is it's a tool. It's a tool that you use to enhance and make your writing experience better and your writing process better. Um, it's not about making a beautiful Plotter file, but although that makes me happy when I see people that create those, mm -hmm. it gives me a little heart boost and that's wonderful, but that's not the point. The point is to get writing and finish that first draft or to, when you're revising that draft, use it as a tool to make that draft better or to make your process faster through tracking your characters and settings and all those kind of things. It's a tool, not the end game. Okay, so I feel like somebody who is a plotter and who is organizationally driven, it's a no-brainer, right? So let's talk about people like me who are less so. <laughs> and some of the things that you describe and, and, you know, tearing your books apart and then entering this information, that sounds like so much work to me. And I, I'm not that person that willingly creates a 10 page outline ahead of time. I do it if my agent requires it, if it's a new project that we're trying to shop, but you know, if I'm continuing a series, I, I know, and I write mysteries, so I know who was murdered, who murdered them, who are some, you know, suspects, you know, I have that basic information. And so like to add more just feels like a lot of upfront work that I don't typically do. So how do you, what do you say to somebody like me? So here's, here's my advice to people like you is don't do it. Don't add more advice up front, more information up front either do it later or in some cases you don't have to do it at all. I know plenty of people that write mysteries with essentially what we have, what we put in our, in our plot file is tentpole events. You know, who did it, how they did it and kind of how they get caught and who catches them. Maybe that's all you know to start with. Right. Um, but you probably get some ideas along the way of like, what's the midpoint of the story? What's the turning point for your detective? You know, what's the point where the reader will know as well as you do who committed the crime and now we're moving towards that climax, right? What does that point look like? So usually you have an idea of those type of things in mind and that's really all you need to start the story. And then you can discovery write to each of those tentpole events. It just helps you. So what helped me initially? I was a discovery writer. Um, when I wrote my first few novels. But what I figured out as I was going forward was if I at least started to plan the last part of the novel, I would have a better idea of where I was going. So I was able to write faster because I, I had a direction. I had a map. I was going somewhere. 
Um, and I, I use the analogy of I could leave my house and say, I'm going to drive to the, the East Coast, right? I would make it to the East Coast eventually. I might not end up where I wanted to be on the East Coast necessarily. And I might end up wasting lots of gas and time without a plan, right? But I would get there. So right. it's kind of like if you just have an ending yeah. in mind, you'll get there. You just may not get there the way that's the most optimal, but the most optimal is not always the best for your creativity. So sometimes you need to write that outline draft and that discovery draft and then get there later. You know, um, you can make a decision whether to turn left at Albuquerque when you get to Albuquerque, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think that so many writers probably use that same analogy. We've uh, had several podcasts. Uh, Daryl Hood Gerber, for one, is the one that pops into my mind where we talked quite a bit about that roadmap, you know, starting on the West Coast, ending on the East Coast, but all the different ways you can get there, you know, but having those main points, you know, kind of planned and then filling in as you go. And I think most writers are probably like that, even right. the ones that plot religiously, you know. Well, right. Like that analogy, I mean, one of the ways to think of it is, am I going to take the northern route, you know, or am I going to take the an I-90 or am I going to take the southern route and I-40? Well, that's still a pretty broad definition of where you're going and where you might stop along the way. Um, but you at least have an idea of if, you, if I take I-40, I'm more likely to end up in the southern part. I'm not likely to end up in Maine unless I take a horrible wrong turn. And if you do, this is often... The, the other thing that Plotter can help you do is it helps you out of writer's block. Like if you do nothing more than sit down and go, because um, I have another friend of mine who plots 10,000 words at a time. And it's really cool to watch. I can't do it that way. My brain just kind of cramps. But he like will write the first 10,000 words. He'll have a plan for the first 10,000 words. Write it. And when he gets to that 10,000 word point, he goes, okay, now I know where I'm going for the next 10,000. And he plans that. Mm -hmm. And then he, so, you know, he doesn't know even the ending to start with necessarily, but he's just planning it milestones along the way. And his happen to be 10,000 words. Like I say, my brain doesn't work that way, but I can see how someone else's brain could work that way. <laughs> I could see how that would work potentially. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things we've talked a lot about on this podcast is the fact that everybody does it differently and there's no one right way to do it. And you have to figure out what is your way and not force yourself into somebody else's way. So one person could use plotter, it sounds like, in one way and another person can use it in another way and yet another person can go in a different direction with it. It has that flexibility. Absolutely. So we we actually have a series on YouTube called Thursdays with Troy. It was really creative. It usually came out on Thursdays and it was hosted by a guy named Troy. Really went out there with the name creativity, right? Um, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, we really stretched it, right? But the primary thing is I interview different authors that use plotter in different ways. And one of the things that I tell people is almost every one of them will say, I start with this idea, this plot template, this plot structure, whatever. And then they use the words, and then. Those are the most important words in their sentence is, and then. It's how they took what they started with and personalized it to make their process work. Um, there is no... Right. There's no use that I found for plotter that doesn't include some version of and then, if that makes sense. Yeah. Everybody is going to use it in a different way. And your key is to find your and then. And that's true of any software or any kind of writing tool that you use is 
let's say you're a save the cat writes a novel die hard person i love jessica brody wonderful wonderful person right um but and i do like the i like that story structure it's really cool and it's she's done an excellent job with breaking it down right and you're that devotee but i haven't met a single writer that uses save the cat in the identical way to the way another writer does not one so the longer I talk to more and more writers, the more I understand everybody finds their way and finds their process. It's mm-hmm. like they say, there's three rules to writing a novel. Nobody knows what they are. And okay. it's still true. We we have no idea. You know, I said that in a podcast once and people like leaned forward. Like yeah. he's going to tell they? us the three rules. The golden like, rule, yay. Yeah. I get the answer finally. <laughs> Here's the secret sauce. There isn't one. And yeah. people are like, ah, Doggone it, you know, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the most important thing is that you take it and make it your own. Um, Same thing with Scrivener. Like I see people use Scrivener 14 million different ways. I use this much of the power of Scrivener, tiny, tiny little bit, same, but yeah. that's what I need it for. Right. And I, it's partly psychological with me. I've set it up where Scrivener, all, all I do in there is fiction writing. I don't edit in Scrivener. Don't do any technical writing. Don't do anything else in Scrivener. When I open Scrivener, my brain goes, Oh, we're fiction writing. Cool. And it's really that simple. For me, using Scrivener opened up the idea of writing non-linearly. You know, in a Word document, I in the beginning of my career, I would just write chronologically through the story. And if I would get stuck, I would get stuck and I didn't continue until I got unstuck. With Scrivener, it, you know, the ability to drag the the scenes that you create really opened up my mind. And so with plotter with Scrivener with whatever you never know how that's going to trigger something that ends up working for you right exactly and I mean this is the key to the to the whole thing I mean the key to my writing career has been a, a series of it seemed like a good idea at the time um, and like I started you know way back when on a typewriter like you weren't moving scenes around like and and in the planning process so like I had a whiteboard and a bulletin board right in my office cork board and there would be strings and like drawn arrows right because I wanted to move something but you can't easily move it you know without erasing and rewriting your information or moving a whole bunch of these post-it notes on you know a bunch of uh uh, note cards on push pins and all that kind of stuff. So you just drew Aaron arrows and had strings and all kinds of stuff like that. You just don't have to do that with plotter. You just move it. And if you don't like where it ends up when you move it, you just move it back. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just so much simpler and your brain gets a much better visualization of if, if nothing more than a visualization of your ideas um, and ways to visualize your characters, ways to visualize your setting so if nothing else, it just gives you visual triggers that we used to do with whiteboards and corkboards and all kinds of tactics that, I mean, quite honestly, I hated it. I hated the way it made my office look, but my brain needed something to grab onto. And now I just have something better. Doesn't it make you wonder what J.R.R. Tolkien's office looked like? How did he plot? <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of incredible the ease with which we're able to do things compared to some of these. Well, yeah, you see J.K. Rowling's like her, um, her, um, uh, she, she's released like diagrams of which, how she planned out the Harry Potter, the initial book and stuff like that. And it's like this notebook page with like 40 million squares on it and arrows and stuff. And I'm like, my brain just wants to explode. But in other ways, like that's how we used to plan things. Like that's how it worked. 
right? So because we didn't have alternatives. So now with software, the software alternatives we have, even if you don't use Plotter, there are tons of other mind mapping and diagramming softwares you can use to plan out your plots. And they're much better than a bulletin board or cork board. They're just, they're just much better, much okay, cleaner. So, so let's take a hypothetical. Let's take Game of Thrones. So say he ha is using Plotter and he's got the Lannisters and he's got the Starks and he's got I don't know, you know, the other houses that he's planning. How how would that look on Plotter? Would it be, here's a line for the Lannisters, and then under that we've got Cersei, and we've got all of these characters, and then here's a line for the Starks, and under that we've got, you know, the different characters. How, how was that going to look? Um, That's how I would probably do it, is I would probably have different plot lines for each of the families, and then probably different tags for characters within that family i would find a way to do it um mm -hmm. me personally i would also know the end and finish the series but you know <laughs> there's <laughs> there's that here, no, there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah small small things but i had to go there but uh no but um so i would probably separate it out by family so if you're there are some you can get as simple or as complex with your plots as you would like. In his particular case, I would think that you would have to be fairly complex to keep track of all of those things. Yes. Um, so I would probably have a fairly complex diagram. Now, I would probably never write a book quite that complex either. I, I mean, um, but it, you could, you would have, I would have a different plot line for each of the families. And then within that, I would create tags for each of the characters so that I could sort, basically then in Plotter, I could filter or sort by that individual character and see their story. So see if their story hangs together um, and there are any plot holes within that particular story. When you say tag a character, does that mean you're color coding or, or every time you call Sansa, Sansa, that you're gonna, you can search by her and find all of her plot points? Yeah, there's so there's essentially the ability within each scene card to tag by character, to tag by place, um, or to create your own ta organizational tags, whatever you want those to look like. And people have created all kinds of crazy um, ideas for tags that work for them, right? Um, and then you can tag those scenes by that. Well, then whatever you have created for tags, you can filter by those. So you only see those things on your on your plot lines. So you could say, okay, so for instance, like one of my novels, I had this plan. It was actually one of my novellas. And I had this plan to kill this character in this certain scene. But as I looked through my planning and how I had tagged things, that character wasn't in that scene. So I had to make a decision. Like it enabled me to spot that plot hole before it happened and go, okay, how am I going to fix that? Am I going to add him into that scene and then kill him? Or am I going to have him die in another scene? What? What, what was my brain thinking when I was going through this process? Um, mm -hmm. So it enables you to, to spot those plot holes and stuff like that, whether you're doing it in the planning stage initially or in the revision stage and you, you've kind of taken your draft apart, then you can go, oh man, I totally missed this plot hole or I forgot to resolve this clue. I have a, in my mysteries, I have a clue um, plot line. And what I basically do is as I enter a clue into the book, then I go from Scrivener to that plot line and put the clue there. Mm -hmm. And what it does is hopefully then by the end of the, of when I've written everything and revi revised it, I've resolved that clue. So I've made sure those red herrings are tied up, you know, all those clues are tied up. Um, and I'm using Plotter as a tool to do that, just as a reminder. All that clue is, is just a reminder to me, you put this clue here, 
either resolve it or make it a part of the mystery, but do something with it. You're making, uh, by using plotter like that, you're making life a lot easier for your developmental editor. I am a developmental mm -hmm. editor freelance. One of the things about plot holes, and, and, and this is true for myself too, is we're so close to our writing that it's very hard to be really critical of it and to see all of those pieces of it, unless you do take the time to really tear it apart and map it out and, and see it in that way. And that's, you know, what an editor does for you. But to have to go through that step first, before you ever submit it to, you know, your publishing house's editor or to your freelance developmental editor or to whoever, you're, you're certainly making their life a lot easier because you've gone through that step and you know, the plot holes are filled. Well, yeah. And if you're an indie author, you're saving money too. I mean, you know, I'm a developmental editor and I'm going to charge you for whatever I need to do. If I mm -hmm. don't need to fill your plot holes and point them out to you because you've already done it, first of all, you save money. Second of all, you made me much happier to work with you um, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, you know, but um, now what I actually do with most of my clients is whether they have plotter or not, they get a plotter diagram of their draft. As I'm reading through it the first time, I tear it apart and put it on a plot line because then I can visually point to something and say, you missed this here, or there is a plot hole here. And they can't deny it when they can visually see it because I've torn it apart. So they can't argue with me. It's just, then it's just the point of now you need to fix that, right? Um, so yeah. that's that's a part of, for me, like, and I have a group of editors that I've gotten to use Plotter for that reason. Say, look, just tear your, you're, you're do, going through the manuscript anyway. Just tear it apart put it on a plot line. And then when you show your client what's happening on that plot line, they, they immediately see it. They see it. And then it makes it much easier to go, okay, now what are we going to do about it? What are, how are we going to fix that? Um, so that's just one of the tricks that I use. Um, it's, uh, um, and like I said, I do it with my own writing too. So I try not to be hypocritical about it. I'm like, once I've written something, even though I plan it out and plotter, obviously my writing does not always go exactly the way I planned it. I know big shocker and surprise, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> I tear it apart again and put it on a, on a plot line, but I put it next to what I planned to write. And I go, okay, how did I do? Did I, did I stay true enough to this plot that it makes sense still? Or do I need to fix some stuff? and find those plot holes before I send it to my developmental editor because I can't edit my own stuff. Um, but it's right. about that tearing it that tearing it apart is about getting distance from your writing. You have to have distance from your own writing to actually look at it. Um, so like I tell people, you want to find out if you misused the wrong word or whatever, something like that. You can have your computer read it out loud to you. You can read your work out loud or read it backwards. Start at the back and read it backwards paragraph by paragraph because it pulls you out of the story. You're not in the story anymore. Now you're reading and seeing what did I actually do? What does my content actually look like? If you can discipline yourself to do that, which a lot of people, they don't like, they're like, you're my development editor. I'm just sending it to you. And if it's messed up, I'm not doing all those steps. But if you do those steps, you save yourself time, money, effort, all those different things. And you make your developmental editor really happy with you. So yeah. And you hopefully have repeat clients. You know, I had an editor, actually, she was a copy editor that I have only used her once. And I sent that book to her and she got it back to me in less than 48 hours. And she said, it was so good. I just did it so fast. And I found so many errors, you know, that she didn't catch because she was in the story, not looking at it through the eyes of an editor. So as of a copy editor in that instance. So, yeah, it is important to have that distance and not be invested in the story. So you're looking at it more analytically. 
Yeah, it's a different mindset from a reader mindset. Yeah, it sure. is. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Okay, so can we go through the different features of Plotter? So you can tag characters and look at character timelines. You can create a linear timeline with the um, Plotter line. Correct. What else? Yes. Um, so you can also so you can track your research. There's a notes section um, that's actually about to get better with some more categories, and you can create categories within that notes section. So you can house your um, research all in Plotter. Uh, same thing, um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll drop a, so I, because I write mysteries, I base a lot of my places on real places, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I drop a web link to the um, Google Street View of that place. And then I click on that, boom, I go into that, I look around that area, and then I come back to my draft. Same reason that I don't put characters and places down in Scrivener is because then that hopefully prevents me from going elsewhere on the web. As soon as I open Google and there's that blank line there, I'm, I'm gone. I'm going somewhere else, right? Um, so it, it allows you to track your notes. Um, and you can also track those notes by book in the series and by character as well. So when you when you're let's say you're working on book three in your series and you've got all three of them in a single plotter file, right? Um, all three of the timelines, single plotter file. Well, you've got the characters in your series Bible from all of your books, but you don't want to look at all of those. You just want to look at the ones from book three. So if you tag the characters with book three, you just filter by book three, and then that's the only characters that you see. So it enables you to to look at what you need to look at and don't look at what you don't need to look at. But yet, if that character from book one suddenly reappears in book three, you can go back and pull their description, all that kind of stuff, just pull them into that, tag them in the new book that they're in, and then you can pull in all that information and it's all right at your fingertips. Um, so those are, some of the, that, those are some of the big features. The other things that we have is we have different templates. So if you're not a template, like a plan ahead person even, you can use those templates later on to check your work. Like you go, okay, I think I wrote this story and it's kind of a hero's journey. Well, I'm gonna put the hero's journey plot structure next to what I've written and then go, okay, did I do the ordinary world? Where's my inciting incident? Is it in the right place? Does, did I hit all the story beats? Do I have plot holes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we have over 30 plot templates now, plot structure templates. Um, so you can choose one, whether it's a loose one, or you can go the way of the story engineering uh, path and have an architecture structure um, that looks like a very lovely Taj Mahal if you want to put your um, if you want to put your your book up against that, you know, but we have common ones like romancing the beat, things that are really popular that, you know, romance writers, there's a lot of romance writers that use plotter. And the reason is their stories are a formula, right? right? And we provided them with the tools to just look at the formula every time. Did you hit the formula? Cool. You're good. You know, um, so you can do that obviously beforehand or afterwards. Um, but we also have character templates um, for helping you develop your characters. So for using mm -hmm. tools like giving them personality tests, we actually have a dating profile character template. Um, which romance writers love because this is like, what if this dude was on Tinder? What would his profile look like? And they just go through and fill out all the information as if they were creating a Tinder account. And it gives you a real sense of who your character is and helps you do a better job of writing them. 
So yeah. there are those templates alone are probably worth the price of admission, so to speak, because it mm -hmm. gives you a foundation. Now, what I tell people, if you like those things, go and do the research behind the story structure. Don't just rely on that that story structure template we've created in Plotter. That's a very general overview. Gives you an idea of how it should work, but you really need to go and dig a little deeper than that um, and and find your own path and your own way to use those things, right? Right, because again, there's no one way to do things. Yeah, there's no one way to do it. And also there's just not enough information there. If you really love Romancing the Beat, well, there's whole books and blogs and things about Romancing the Beat and the different things you should look at in there. And if you're a romance writer and you take those things seriously, well, you should probably go have a look at that and not just look at the template in plotter you know there's there's resources for everyone you don't want your book to come across as formulaic so you need to you know make it your own use that as a guide but you know like the pirate's code right it's just more of a guide and then you take it and yep. develop it on your own yeah yeah so exactly what, what's the difference between plotter and plotter pro um so plotter pro the primary difference is plotter pro is a web app web-based app um and so the, the primary difference is, first of all, you don't have any device limitations because you're not entering your license on each device. You're basically anywhere you can access a, a browser and the internet, you can access your plotter files. So there's no device limitations. The other beautiful part of it though, is that you can collaborate so you can work with someone else on the same file at the same time. Um, so like I'm starting a, a new series the beginning of next year and I have a co-writer in that series You can write some of the books in that series and we're actually inviting some other people into that series as well We're using the same plotter file. We all have plotter pro we're using the same plotter file And so the other day she was adding things to her plot um, In the plotter app and I was watching her do it at the exact same same time in mind on a on a web browser so mm -hmm. um, that collaboration, especially, so that goes for co-writers, but it also goes for like your developmental editor. If you and your developmental editor are both using Plotter, they can show you as they're doing something, they can go, look, pop this scene in here. And immediately you see it pop on your screen and you go, oh, okay. And it totally makes sense. So there's mm -hmm. a, there, the collaboration aspect of that without worrying about file versioning you know, the final, final, final plotter, the final, final, final plotter five, final plotter. You know, I mean, um, yeah. you don't have those, those, that series of files in your, on your computer and trying to figure out which one's actually the final, you know, that type of thing. So uh, um, it, it frees up and it's got automatic cloud backups. It backs up like every two seconds or something. I don't know. There's a programming, I write words, not code. So the programmers have these things that they talk about that's like, how fast it does this or whatever. I don't know what that means. I just know that it works that way. Um, and, and that's enough for me. But um, so, yeah, it, the biggest thing is the collaboration um, and the cloud access and the fact that basically you can just access your plotter files anywhere, no matter what you're doing. So the desktop app is obviously you could buy a one, two, there's, there's between one and three device plans. Um, and so you just buy it for whatever number of devices you normally use in your writing process. Um, I typically have, like I, when I'm traveling, I have my laptop and my iPad. Um, mm -hmm. When I'm stationary, it's pretty much just my my laptop, which is my main computer too. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I mean, whatever your setup, whatever your process looks like, you just look at the number of devices you might need. 
um, for that one. But the main difference is then, I mean, you can they, there's still automatic backups, all that kind of stuff, but it's just not the same collaborative uh, and you can't access things on the web. So. Okay. Okay. Um, and what you can do a trial, right? Before you make, take the plunge yep. and purchase, you can do a trial. Absolutely. You can do a free trial and we also have a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you buy the full version and you try it and you go, man, this is just not for me. Um, tell us, and, and quite honestly, for me, no hard feelings, you know, um, plotter is, it's a great tool, but it's not for everybody. It's mm -hmm. for some people. And so um, I just tell people, look, if it doesn't work for you, any any advice that anyone gives you or any tool that they show you that makes you want to stop writing, don't do that. <laughs> You're right. I mean, Good advice. It, it, it seems like that seems like like normal advice, right? Like you, that you as a writer should know this. But there are an amazing number of people who they go, I tried Scrivener and man, I couldn't write for like two months. And I'm like, well, then why, why did you keep, keep doing that? Like, yeah. That would be a nightmare for me. What don't do that. Um, so <laughs> I mean, you know, so but you know, that's just me as a because I've been doing this a long time, um, and I love it so much. I'm like anything that stops me from doing it, well, nope, sorry. Uh not gonna happen. So Right. I, I think you have to go at something like plotter, um, or any kind of pre planning that you're doing or or taking a break to make sure you're filling out your book bible kind of thing which I did not do with my first series, which is why I have to do it now. It, you have to look at it as, okay, this is part of the process. And just because I'm not actually writing my book doesn't mean I'm not working towards the end goal of completing my book. I just need to stop or pause and do these steps as well, because it's all part of the overall process. And that's a little bit of a mind shift change, I think, for some people, myself included. I well, had to yes. get to that point. Oh yeah, for sure. And the other thing is that I often find is I tell people, look, people underestimate the amount of education that it takes to write a novel. And I don't mean college. In fact, most of the time I really don't mean college. Like I'm like, don't go to a college creative writing course. There are, there are exceptions. So don't, don't email me after this and tell me about them and whoever's listening. Don't, I know there are exceptions to the rule, but most of the time, as I tease people, most of the time I don't talk to MFAs, but when I do, I order a Vente. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the, the, the truth is it requires a lot of education to be a full-time writer. And one of those things is studying story structure and consuming story. So that even if you're a discovery writer, most of the time you have an idea of story structure in your head that you're following, either because you've been doing this for a long time or because you deliberately studied story structure and you understand how it works, right? Mm -hmm. And part of that is like, you can take Plotter. One of the things that I've done, this is going to totally reveal my nerd self, right? Is I like to tear apart other books and movies and stuff like that as I watch them. But one of my favorites is Breaking Bad. And the reason is it's unlike many other series because Vince Gilligan had a plan from the beginning for the entire series. The entire series consists of a three-act structure. If you break all of the seasons down, they're all a three-act structure. But each season has its own three-act structure, and each episode has its own three-act structure. Although some of the episodes start in media res, which is another storytelling technique. Yada, yada, don't, you know, we could go down all that nerd road forever. Um, but the truth is, if you're consuming story and taking apart some of your favorite stories and seeing why they work, you can apply that to your own writing. The same thing is true of stories you don't like. Find a book that, or a 
movie or a show that you just didn't like and tear it apart and put it on a plot line and go, where did that writer go wrong? And how mm-hmm. can I not do that in my writing? Yeah, you know? good advice. Yeah, advice I've given myself. J.K. Rowling did the same thing, I think, with her Harry Potter books. Each book stands alone, but there is an overarching three-act structure and you know hero's journey over the whole course of the series as well. I think you know that that really great writers can or you know great plotters I guess can really create amazing stories along the way. Yeah. And it's especially true with the series. Especially true mm-hmm. with the series. Yeah. Well, you've definitely um, given me a lot to think about, especially in terms of the freelance developmental editor side of my career and then the book Bible side. So I think, again, coming back to how any of us use these products and these resources, we have to find our own way to use them. And and I might not use parts of Plotter, but the other parts are very appealing to me. So, yeah, I'm going to go dig in. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, that's the other thing I do tell people is I'm like, just because the feature's there doesn't mean you have to use it. Right. If, if it doesn't resonate with you, you don't like it, and you don't use it for whatever reason, well, then just don't use it. It's fine. Um, it, the, you know, we're coming up with new things all the time, and those are developed for people that are looking for that specific thing. If that's not something you're looking for, don't worry about it. Just skip it. It doesn't matter. Right. Find your own way, your own path. All right, Troy, well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. And you've given me lots to think about. And I hope anybody listening a lot to think about and and a reason to go sign up for the trial of Plotter and, and dive in and see how it can work for you. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I certainly learned a lot about Plotter, and I'm really, really excited to dig in and try it and see how I can make it work for me if I can make it work for me. And again, remember, you are all on your own journeys and you have to decide what works best for you, not what works best for someone else. So if you were inspired to try Plotter out today, great. I wish you well. If you just decided it's not for you, that's okay too. If you want to do the free trial and give it a shot, which is what I'm doing, that's great too. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, I wish you success in your plotting and your writing. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. As a reminder, WriterSpark has writing-centric merchandise. The link to the WriterSpark Tee Public storefront is in the show notes. There is always a sale going on, so go check it out. Get a hoodie, a t-shirt, a mug, or something else writery. They're so fun. Get something for yourself or for the other writers in your life. Also, visit the WriterSpark website and YouTube channels. You can find everything about WriterSpark courses, content, and the YouTube channel at writersparkacademy.com. Come back for more tips and tricks about fiction writing and learn more about our online courses at www.writersparkacademy.com. I'm Melissa Bourbon. Thank you for listening, and until next time, happy writing.